Welcome to the United by Strength podcast. Hard work knows no gender, race, sexuality, or creed. It is the universal building block upon which successful tribes are built. Here, you will learn from powerlifting coaches, gymnastics coaches, CrossFit coaches, nutrition coaches, and strongman coaches. We collaborate and share best practices and want to bring our experience and continuing education to you. My name is Grant. And I'm Chanel. And today we are going to be talking about CrossFit kids classes and specifically some of the differences that we've seen uh, in our own experience coaching uh, online kids classes during the uh, pandemic shutdown and uh, now as we're Kind of coming out the back end where we're starting to be able to open up the gyms a little bit. And uh, so what we wanted to talk about was um, the CrossFit Kids course a little bit, uh, the general template of how kids' classes are you know, pitched in that light, and then what we did. We've run successful kids' classes in the past in person, and bringing that formula into you know, the situation where we had to go on to exclusively an online format, what that ended up looking like for us, and then now what lessons we're going to take from it and, and bring into our classes as we go back towards in-person, Bo- both good and bad. Again, our experience is unique to us, um, so if you find similarities with your own circumstance that you can take from this, uh, excellent, that's what it's here for. Um, but you know, our, our particular circumstance might not match yours. So just take this, the information that we can give you and, um, take from it what you need and leave what you don't. And, uh, with, with no further ado, let's talk about this a little bit. Both, uh, Chanel and I went to the CrossFit kids seminar, which was undoubtedly, you know, I don't think it's a question, right? It's a fantastic course. You know, it's it's, a lot of fun. Yeah. It's easily one of the most valuable, I think, courses that CrossFit offers to include any of the preferred courses or any of the other things that used to be the SME courses. Um, I know I've gone to the gymnastics and the weightlifting and um, a few other of their seminars. And uh, the gymnastics one was incredible, but the CrossFit Kids course is uniquely valuable, I think, because not only does it teach you some new techniques and approaches and a different mindset, but it the, 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 those factors augment the coaching for adults that you already do uh, from having gone through the L1 and or L2 course and your experience in coaching in general. Um, many of us as strength and conditioning coaches or CrossFit class coaches do not are not put in a position where we have to teach children um, or it's, it, you know, not, not something that you're called on to do uh, unless you specifically pursue it. And there's a, there's a lot of factors that you learn in the kids course about coaching children and breaking things down into simple elements um, that are easily communicated and followed, not in a pandering way, but in a, just an easy to understand way that, I feel has translated immensely. I find myself in my adult classes, both online and then back in the parks, using many of the uh, tricks that we uh, were taught and, and, and developed in teaching kids. Don't you agree? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Even if you're not looking to 
uh, coach a kids class, just taking it for all the extra things we learn. I mean, we do visual, ta- tactical, tactile. <laughs> that's it. That's a running joke. <laughs> I always say it wrong. We have the three cues that we're tactical used to cues. giving, but we don't um, don't really talk about the uh, goodness. Now I'm losing it. Like your imagination, like explaining instead of just saying keeping your heels down, like hey, chew some gum, stick it on the bottom of your heels, now stick it to the floor. Or pretend you're walking through really thick mud and now your feet are stuck. And maybe that giving that as a cue to even an adult, sometimes they can you can visualize it and almost like feel it in your body versus just saying keep your heels down. Right. And I think the carryover that is so um, applicable there is the fact that it seems obvious for some reason that it, it seems obvious that when you're teaching a young child that you need to tell a story or make it this kind of very simple concept. And then I think something happens where when we're teaching adults, because they're adults like us, we assume that that level of simplicity is, you know, comical in some way almost, or, or like they need a level of complexity, but as I think many coaches out there realize the longer they do this, you know, there's, there's a gap there in terms of the general public or the athlete who's there for a great workout rarely cares about you naming the specific muscle group of what's going on. You know, it's, it's been said time and time and time again in the CrossFit journal and in great, um, you know, uh, piece of advice from veteran coaches writing books or talking on podcasts is that, it's a hallmark of an amateur or um, kind of full of themselves coach to be r- running around naming off muscle groups and going into long tirades during class about, you know, how we need to core to extremity movement and brace your midline and using these um, jargon terms as, as CrossFit likes to call them that just needlessly complicate your lesson. Uh, don't really get the point across to your client meaning your cues become ineffective and, uh, and then you don't complete what you wanted to complete in the first place and you're getting less engagement from your athletes. So I think it's a, it's a sign of wisdom and strength and effectiveness to, uh, make this leap of understanding to that, you know, telling a story, making a easily digestible visual, um, and, and something that's super easy to remember for your athlete is way more effective than trying to impress them with, you know, naming all the muscles in their arm that they're using when they're doing a power clean or, you know, telling them to activate their rhomboids. Like who, who does that? <laughs> Sometimes it can just break the tension or frustration or just give you another tool to use. Like instead of elbows up, elbows up, elbows up, you know, Hey, your elbows are now glitter guns. <laughs> Adults are going to laugh. And you're like, yeah, that's silly. But like you said, if you're, if they, if they trust you and they know, you know what you're talking about as a coach, you don't have to feel like either you sound silly, like you sound silly or young, or like you don't know what you're doing and you're not talking down to them. You can be like, Hey, I learned this cause I coach kids or I went to the kids course. Let's pretend we're elbows or glitter guns. It's something different, breaks the tension, makes everybody laugh. And maybe it gives someone that visual, like, Hey, I'm the target. Keep your elbows, keep your glitter guns pointed at my chest. And now all of a sudden they go down in their front squat and their elbows stay up because they're thinking about shooting you with glitter, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So no, that, that article professional training hits it right on the head in terms of effectiveness being the only meaningful metric in terms of, you know, what you're getting out of your 
clients or athletes. It doesn't matter how you deliver it as long as it's effective. And these kind of, um, you know, telling a story or, um, you know, illustrating it for your client in simple terms is sure surefire way to be effective. So let's talk a little bit about um, how the how the CrossFit kids class or course breaks down uh, uh, how a class is supposed to go and then what we adapted to the on- online. So with the whiteboard brief, let's start there. Yeah, so with the um, just in person with kids, they recommend CrossFit recommends using pictures over words, especially when you have the younger kids. And that worked really well. We had a whiteboard, we drew pictures, and then we found out even more so rather than me pointing and explaining what we're going to do today with the pictures, the kids like to guess. Event, you know, they're like, "Don't tell us, don't tell us." Oh, that person is standing on a box, and then I would explain what we were going to do, and they loved that. Uh, with the virtual, though, I think the first class I tried to do kind of a whiteboard brief, like kind of explain to them what we were going to do for the whole class. And it kind of just got long and you see people looking off and like mm-hmm. they don't really care. They just want to move or whatnot. So we changed it to like a question of the day, figuring we could add in um, other learning tips like fruits and vegetables and how to eat and nature outside and stuff so it might be what's your favorite veggie to eat and everybody got to go around and kind of have a spotlight on them because we're on zoom and so everybody got to look at whoever was talking and they got to say their favorite vegetable Um, we kind of broke the ice that way before moving on to the general warm-up yeah for for what it's worth for good or for bad i think the reality is is that over zoom or whatever program you're using over a video conference system you, there's, there's, it's no doubt that something's missing, right? The human contact is missing. And I think one of the consequences of the human contact being gone is it is that much harder to draw and sustain attention, right? And so what becomes painfully obvious, because even in the lesson planning course or when, you know, in the L2 or L3, when you're learning about, you know, how to give a whiteboard brief or, you know, how to effectively communicate to your athletes, right? We, we try to keep the white, one of the goals is to keep the whiteboard brief as brief as possible, right? <laughs> Be very effective, short and sweet. But even that is too long for most people on a video conference call for whatever reason, right? Even with adults, it is very difficult to hold people's attention for more than a few seconds. And so what you end up finding is just better purchase with just, hey, trust me, we're going through this. Like, you know, I, at, at, on a lot of our online zoom adult classes, I just, I will just read the workout and the stimulus maybe, you know, and I'll try to handle like the logistics as people are logging on, like, Hey, you need one dumbbell today. You got that. Fantastic. And just, that's pretty much, yeah. And you just, you know, make it as short as possible. And that's double with, with the kids, right? It's, the good news is, is almost all the movements that you're teaching, as we'll go into later, there's not an, no very few elements that could be considered like risky. Like we're not doing Tarzan rope swings in the gym on or climbing over boxes and stuff. We don't have to. They're in their own living room with a stuffed animal most of the time. So, you know, there's there's much lower risk. And so not a whole lot of briefing that needs to happen right off the bat. So... Uh, Anything else to add on the whiteboard brief? No, I think that's everything. Yeah. So then general warm-up, we're looking at um, 
you know, just getting every same thing as the adult general warm up. We're looking to get people moving quickly within, preferably within the first five minutes of class starting. People should be moving, and uh, you know, basic stuff to get the heart rate up and kind of introduce some of the body movements we'll be doing that day. Yeah, we've for most for the most part for the virtual, we've I've used animal movements. Again, it gives them kind of that visual. A lot of them are familiar with just common animals and their movement, like bunnies hop. So let's do a bunny hop instead of, I mean, we do jump rope and jumping jacks too and stuff. But we, yeah, I usually pick around eight animal movements. And that way uh, we don't have to like demo and explain each one. They can see either you or I or both of us doing it. And it's fun because they like to throw in the animal noises half the time. So you start hearing all these funny noises coming through and they can do their own variation of the animal movement. It's just to get them moving again, get the blood flowing, get their heart rate up, get them ready, uh, get some of the wiggles out so that we can teach them the movements for the workout too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's very good. Um the animal analogy works really, really well too, because I've been surprised at how exhausting <laughs> some of those warm ups are. But a lot of those movements are really, really cool, and I like it as well because, well, it's going off a little tangential, but um, I, I get a little irritated sometimes with um, uh, badly borrowing from the yoga community for a lot of these like warm up movements and some of these postures and things that it's just human movement. You know, we don't need to steal poorly from this whole different demographic where it just looks like being a giraffe or it looks like being an elephant or a bit, it, these are intuitive concepts and you don't need to know weird Indian names to, you know, make it effective. It, the, there's no trademark on, you know, functional human movement. And so, you know, half the time, the definitions of those terms, when you really look them up is, elephant walk or be like a crab. Oh, well, the name sounds cool, complicated and sexy, and I'm sure you can sell leggings with it. But uh, in the actual gym, being effective with your clients and, and getting people warmed up, just walk like a crab, <laughs> bear crawl. Like there's uh, it's way more natural and, uh, you know, honest expression of movement. So I like it a lot. And yeah, Jeez, do this. What's that desert? Uh, desert the desert lizard? lizard. Oh my god, <laughs> I want to die every time I do that. And uh, the alligator. I can't do the sneaky alligator. Yeah, it was just pretty much just walking push-ups. Yeah, sense. yeah. It's like a Probably combo of a low crawl yeah. and like a push-up walk. Uh, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> I groan every time you throw that one out there, and I have to start <laughs> demoing. I'm like, oh god. Yeah, I'm pretty out of breath by the end of the animal warm-ups. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. So yeah, that's, and that's the general one. And again, like I said, easily, easily stealable to do in your adult classes. I mean, much, uh, more effective than coming up with some complicated, uh, warm up, thinking you need to hit specific body groups, just jump around like a freaking kangaroo. Like it'll get you warm. All right. Uh, specific warm up. Yeah, the specific warm up we use to, uh, teach them whatever the movements are in the workout. And really every, we try to keep it to like two or three movements usually for the workout. But even if they've done it before, you always review. And you never know if you have a new kid or uh, if it's just been a while since they've done that movement. So we take that specific warm up time to break down. And here again, a lot of times we'll use animal movement or 
things that they're just familiar with outside or inside their house. So take it, the deadlift, for example, we relate it to a gorilla or an angry gorilla or a hiding gorilla or a curious gorilla, depending on how I'm explaining it. Sometimes I use an entire storyline, like the gorilla standing behind the bush with its baby or its toy. And so we want to crouch down like this and they, they go a lot off of what they see. Yeah. Um, I do a little more talking virtually because they might not be able to see as well uh, through the screen, but it's like, all right, the gorilla is going to slowly um, get behind this bush in this way. And then it hears something. So it's going to stand up real tall and then it's going to, you know, we, for some reason, the gorilla has a jacket on. So yeah. We're going to zip the jacket. If it's a dead, sumo devil's high pole, we're going to zip up the jacket and then unzip the jacket. Then we're going to hide behind the bush again. Yeah. And it like sounds like you're tell- retelling a really weird dream that you yeah, had. Yeah. But the kids love it and they, and they get it that way too. Or even like the air squat, we talk about like, hey, what are all these different things you could sit on in your house, you know? And I go through different rooms and like get to the bathroom and they giggle because of the toilet and that's just funny or... You know, we talk about the chair in the kitchen or the couch in the living room and just I want to relate it to everything that they realize that like fitness is what we do every day. Yeah. Um, so then I'm just like, OK, just imagine whichever thing is your favorite thing to sit on. It's just not behind you. But we're going to use our imaginations. We're going to sit down on that chair or whatever. And then we'll use like blocking out the sun or making your fingers into a butterfly or an airplane and letting it go up high, which helps them keep their chest up like Adults usually just naturally reach up when they go down into that air squat. So uh, teaching teaching the movements are a lot of fun. Again, it just gives you a different way to think about those. And sometimes we use them for the adults then later too. Absolutely. I mean, one of the hallmark aspects of um, advancing as a, a coach in terms of delivering, you know, consistent and effective um skill development in say the push jerk, the Olympic lifts and all this stuff is this progressions idea, developing and implementing the progressions of these movements. And uh, this teaching section of, of the specific warm up or for the kids really, I would say this is one of the biggest transfer points from teaching kids to teaching adults is having to, you know, it's, we hand wave things like the burpee and, you know, some of the simpler movements a little bit, or I see so often coaches just, you know, I don't know, the sumo deadlift high pole looks like this, uh, just, and they're kind of just fiddling around with trying to figure out an effective way of, and they have to reinvent the wheel every single time with every single client. But doing this with your, with kids really forces you to examine the movement critically and go, okay, how do I break this thing down into its constituent components? And come up with a script, essentially, for and a routine for how to teach this in the simplest, most effective way possible. Because kids versus adults will give you immediate feedback in terms of they will stop paying attention the second you're boring or the second you're talking a little bit too much or your analogy doesn't make any sense. They will, they will not be... Um, what is it? Courteous, like adults or, you know, a lot of times adults hurt you as a coach by just being nice and not saying anything. Whereas a kid will call your ass out in a second about you not making any sense or being boring. Right. And uh, so there's no better way to develop progressions for movements than trying to teach them to kids. And then it comes straight over into your teaching of adults. One of the other things I wanted to mention though, there is like, if you don't have kids, especially, um, figuring 
thinking too from their perspective of how they move around. So for instance, like that the toilet or or some of those other things, like for many of us, we sit down to the toilet, but yeah. younger kids have to climb up to the toilet. Like there are different dimensions than you are. <laughs> so like thinking about how they interact with their environment a little bit differently than we do and adapting, you know, the cues that you're giving towards that is uh, eye-opening for sure. So the workout uh, short and sweet is probably the, uh, yes. the thing we've discovered the most is three that you need to five do. minutes, two to three movements. Uh, AMRAPs are the best way to do it. That way you don't have to worry too much about numbers. If you keep, you know, if you have two movements and it's a three minute AMRAP with three reps of each movement back and forth, mm-hmm. three, 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 it's really easy for them to keep track of. Um, and then I don't even worry about really the scores at the end, but sometimes depending on the age of the kids that we have in class, they'll come up to the screen and you'll, they'll immediately put up, you know, the number five or the number 10 and they're really excited about how much they got, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I like the way that we do it in class where essentially what Chanel will say is, you know, Grant over here, who's going to be the demo, he's going to count out his reps and do the workout at a prescribed pace. So, you know, let's say it's four burpees and four thrusters, right? I will be counting and I'll say like, you know, down, jump up, clap, one, down, jump up, clap, two. So I'm verbally instructing all the way through my workout as I'm moving. And Chanel is giving them the option ahead of time of like, you can follow along step for step with Grant and get through this workout, or you can race him and you can go faster. And so it gives the availability for like the kids who are just chugging along to just follow along with me and do what they're told. And the other kids who are a little antsier and have more energy to go further. And then again, at the end, you know, we're not having them put their scores into Wattify or up on a whiteboard, but you can go around and just be like, tell me how many you got. And the kids who are shy, We'll just be quiet and you just go right past them. It's not a big deal. But the kids who are excited to tell you about how many rounds they got will be the first ones to tell you. They'll be fighting each other to, to tell you first. And so that way you hit both. The kids who don't feel like uh, being competitive can go ahead and be that. And the kids who are excited about it can go ahead and be excited about it. It hits both really easily. That also brings up a good point. We never really put an age um, limit or parameter or anything on our virtual kids class. Initially, we weren't sure. We just put the invite out to the whole gym and we're just going to see who showed up. And so I made my lesson plan geared towards younger kids, three, four, five, six. A lot of times they'll have parents in the room too, that will actually do the workout with them, which mm-hmm. is great. But we'll also have kids that are like nine, 10, 11. And Um, I've talked to most of those kids and just let them know outside of the class, like, Hey, I know this is geared towards little younger kids. If you have like a light dumbbell, if you want to use your mom's five pound dumbbell, or you want to double the reps, if it's body weight, um, I'm, I love that they join us and they're good about the, using the, you know, the lingo for the little kids. They, the older kids might giggle, but they've never rolled their eyes or stopped. They jump right in and they're like, Hey, I'm going to get a workout in too. And that's great. And that's kind of where we adapted having you demo and count your reps for the younger or middle-ish of the age kids if their parents aren't there to help them track. And then the right. older kids, they know they can go faster and uh, keep track of their score if they want so that we can we can put on one class for kids range from like three to four all the way up to like 10 or 11 years old. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that it's essentially the polar opposite of 
the adult class where we RX, we have an RX prescription, right? And then we scale down to the athlete's ability in the class. And then it seems to work best the other way around, at least virtually anyway, to, you know, uh, do the easiest ish version and then scale up for the kids that need it. It's definitely different than because the in-person kids classes, we saw big difference in benefit from having different age groups and, and, and different workouts for the different age groups. And then also siblings and other interactions and things, but that doesn't, does, does not seem to be as big of a factor. It seems to be a different landscape with uh, online. The other thing I wanted to give with the workout is it illustrates for a carry over to adult classes is simplicity being important, right? One of the things you'll notice in any of our lesson plans or the workouts that Chanel plans is like symmetry and easy remembering for the workouts. They're couplets and triplets and they are, you know, like she said, AMRAPs are the easiest ones because, you know, everyone finishes at the exact same time and it's, you know, three minutes of three burpees and three thrusters or something like that. It's very simple, right? And I think it's a grounding in the, in the fact that too often you see in adult classes or with uh, um, trainers making their own programming, they feel like they have to razzle-dazzle their clients or their classes by creating these complex, you know, they, they get enthralled in the CrossFit games or something and think they need to, you know, create these complicated workouts with, weird cycles and, and rest work, rest ratios and, and, and all kinds of strange scoring methodologies. Right. Mm-hmm. And just is not needed at all. Your coaching is what, you know, makes your class good or bad and everything else should be kept as simple and effective as possible. And that's what we found with the workouts. Anything much longer than three to five minutes is ineffective and anything more complicated than the same number being used for all the movements all the way through, especially in a mixed age group class is disastrous. <laughs> you cannot have a five minute AMRAP with six burpees and then two over the shoulders and four something. No, none of the kids are going to be able to follow along and they'll all forget three seconds into it. So uh, have a number of the day and stick with it. We also didn't mention uh, with the little kids, we'll use toys. If there's, if it's a weighted movement, we always practice with just hands, say it's a push press or something, but then I'll let them, Hey, if you want to grab a toy and raise it up high during the workout. And so a lot of like stuffed animals and baby dolls and stuff like that are used, which is fun. And this last <laughs> class, I loved it that I think it was two different families got together because their kids are playing. And so there were like five kids on one screen in the living room and they decided to, we were doing kettlebell swings and goblet squats and they all had a stuffed animal and they got in a circle. So when they had their kettlebell swing, but you know, all the animals kind of joined in the circle and then went over the head and then joined in the circle and went between the legs and they were laughing and giggling and it was a lot of fun. It was fun to watch on the camera. It's fun to watch giant stuffed (laughs) pigs and fluffy (laughs) unicorns flying around everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely toys are different from when I was a kid and like these kids have toys that are just crazy compared to what I had. Uh, and then last but not least the game, having fun at the end of class, right? Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Um, and very difficult on very different trying to adapt games online. Yes. I, you spent a lot of time figuring it out was, how to do games online. Man, when, when I was asked, Hey, can you, can, now that we're doing um, classes online, would you, do you think you'd be able to coach a kid's class online? And my head kind of exploded for a minute as I thought about how, how much it's organized chaos, even in person 
with the kids and how much they go off of what you do, what they see you do, not so much what you say. You could say, do a push up, and if you do an air squat, they're doing an air squat. Uh, and I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know, like, can I keep their attention on a video camera? And like, how? And then I was like, how do you play a game, <laughs> you know, on a camera with a bunch of kids, like 10 cameras with kids, you know? So that took a little researching, but uh, we definitely found at least five to 10 pretty games that we kind of rotate through. And um, the biggest one I think everybody's favorite is the scavenger hunt. That was a huge hit. Oh, yeah. And it keeps them moving because I say it can't be in the room you're in. And then I give them a hint. And so they have to, it could be multiple different things, but like something you could wear on your head and then everybody disappears from screen. You know, they have 30 seconds or 60 seconds, whatever, bring it back to the screen and then they all get to share. And it might be a hat or it might be a hoodie with a hood or somebody brought headphones and it's, it's a lot of fun and they get to share something. And then it's like, okay, when I tell you the next thing, you have to run and put that away. Now go bring something that you can clean your teeth with. And it might be a toothbrush or toothpaste or mouthwash. But again, it's kind of like teaching in a sense too, and moving and it's playing a game. Um, some other ones we've played is charades, which is where like I've printed fun pictures of stuff like a puppy and I hold it up to the camera and then they all have to act it out, act out a puppy. Again, keeps them moving, but it's fun. Lots of giggles. Um, we've played Pictionary, I'll hold up a word and then they have 30 seconds to draw out the picture and show it up to the camera. Um, Sometimes I sneak in more workouts by like, would you rather, and I'll ask a silly question, like, would you rather hug a snake or kiss a frog? And they all laugh and say what they would do. And then the next question is like, would you rather do five push-ups or five air squats? And then they pick that and we all do that together. Uh, yeah, games are fun. And even like when we were doing in, in-person classes I would find games to play with the kids and then half the time I would turn it into the general warm-up for the adults <laughs> when I coach the adults class the next day so, so yeah I realized that games are a great way to do general warm-ups for the adults too every once in a while to throw it in there uh, like musical med balls and stuff like that it's a lot of fun yeah I, I think it, because it's arguably the most important and looked forward to part of the kids class. It really reemphasizes when I reflect on this, like the most underappreciated and misused, not misused, but never used really uh, element of uh, adults class, which is that cool down period, right? You know, too many times I see programming in gyms that just like, let's throw in a strength component and three extra workouts and blah, blah, blah to fill it because they don't know what to do with that void of time after let's say they warm up and then do Fran and it's over in three minutes. And then now what do I do with the last 15 minutes of class? It's real easy. (laughs) Like these are uh, really good ways to fill up that, that cool down period and uh, inject some actual fun. Like they've been moving the entire time through this whole thing. That's the important part as well is the whiteboard brief is super short, super sweet. And the, the general and specific warmups are moving the entire time that workout hits hard and it's fast. And then, you know, the game is, is a fun way to wind down, but, but also keeps moving. They're moving for the entire half hour class, which I think is an element as well is, um, that we, didn't cover, but you know, the class structure is based around a half hour, not an hour. So you got to boil everything down again to its basic components and you can't screw around because you know, you have uh, not a lot of wiggle room in terms of getting things done on time. Um, 
Yeah, and the other part, you, you can't do this online necessarily, but uh, some of the more you know um, sports type games, it's the opportunity to learn and play new sports, right? So throwing that into your adult classes is you know something that was always meant to be part of this, uh, but you don't often see. And the good news is we'll be able to integrate that more in as as things are loosening up and we're able to get back in person again. But uh, that was probably as you mentioned, the the biggest hurdle is figuring out how to play games with other people. Because so many games, until you really look at it and examine it, you don't realize how integral to games, inter-physical often interaction is with other people, or at least crossing through the same space as other people. And to not be able to do that is super weird. (laughs) We were just thinking about that the other day too. Now that we're starting park workouts, we're trying to get games back into our situation there. And it's like having to Google search for games that, uh, what, what's a game that everyone can stay six feet apart (laughs) and still play where we're not, you know, throwing a, a ball back and forth or something. I mean, and even then what, you know, the evolving of what we're finding with, uh, what the actual circumstances of being safe right now is all about, you know, actual physical contact with a ball or something like that is not that big of a deal. And so, um, yeah, well, maybe we'll be able to evolve that, and you know, you could play like a touchless version of football or um, handball or something like that. Where dodgeball was the kids' favorite. Dodgeball, yes, for Soft sure. Balls, but. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. No, whoever uh, whoever was the major source of getting dodgeball out of physical education in schools was uh, committing a travesty against mankind because that is, without even any kind of explanation or ever having played it, kids. Uh, freaking love dodgeball <laughs> even if it's the first time they've ever played it they take to it like crazy and can't that was something we learned at the stop. kids course too we took a couple of regular games and turned them into kind of fitness games so with dodgeball it wasn't just i mean you still had the regular rules of if you get hit you're out or if you catch it the other person's out but when you're out then you have like do five burpees and you're back in hmm. and it keeps the game going or before you can throw the ball this round you have to spin three times and hop on one foot or you have to throw it with your opposite hand or you have to throw it backwards or something and just adding in fun little tweaks to each round of the game. Yeah. Very good. That's all yeah. the components of the class. Um, the only last thing I want to add in is just uh, being thoughtful about the safety and security of your kids during these kids' classes because taking them online or virtual uh, adds a whole new element that you might not be thinking about. So we had an experience this very last kids class that we did uh, last week where the Zoom call got hacked and a bunch of crazy people uh, jumped onto the call and started uh, yelling profane and awful things uh, over the over the conference call. Thankfully, um, us being the host, it, it took us a second or two to realize what was going on, but we were able to kill the, we just cut the feed, um, which disabled, you know, everything for everybody. But some of the other parents were able to catch it at about the same time. Uh, we reached, you know, it's unavoidable with some of this stuff that, you know, you're, your stuff's going to be able to be hacked or accessed in, in whatever way, unless you're a computer wizard, which I am not. Um, so... The, 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 the lesson learned from it is that we immediately, you know, reached out to all the parents, just made sure everybody was okay. The good news is, I mean, it is virtual. So I know, you know, everybody can make a, uh, a huge deal about, you know, 
the impact of something like this, but thankfully, uh, there's no possibility of physical contact in a digital environment like that. So you can, you can kill the feed and essentially end the circumstance, but it's still really important to, you know, touch base with all of the parents and the kids who are involved in the class and just make sure everybody is okay and um, is comfortable with what's going on, that, that you're going to fix the issue and address it. And one of the things that had happened with us was simply that um, we had been doing these classes and it had drawn some public attention. So the newspaper uh, had done a piece on it and gotten it out there. And again, it all seems really, really positive, which is good. But then unfortunately, that also puts the access to the class to the general public, which is, you know, has some people that uh, you don't want being part of your class. So steps. It's sad because we just wanted to open it up to the public and for free for now while we were doing it online and just let any kid offer it up. And we had a couple kids from outside our gym show up for a couple of classes and that was great. So we're hoping that we'll, you know, pull them in and get them some experience with something they might not otherwise have had before or for a while. But that's, it's the sad part. And that's a big part of the kids class too. If you take the course is talking, they talk about kids safety, team that's safety, a huge section of the course, yeah. all that, that you don't think about. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, I'm, I hope that they're able to update, um, the, the course, I think there's some, some discussion of digital content on there, but I mean, the, the CrossFit kids course that is, as it is delivered, was always intended as an in-person thing, which can never be replaced in my opinion. I mean, digital classes are okay, but they're only really a stand in for this sort of thing. You can't substitute human interaction or else we're not human beings anymore. But, uh, the, the, the circumstances of it, it, it's tough either way. What you need to do, all I'm, we're recommending is that you critically evaluate, know those risks and, you know, anything. There's, it's impossible to create a completely risk-free environment. It just isn't possible. So get that out of your head. But just you need to do everything that you possibly can and communicate to your athletes and, and their parents uh, that you are trying to do everything that you possibly can and be open to suggestions for uh, improvements and, and making it safer. You know, you got to weigh and balance the the circumstance because the more protocols you put onto it in terms of say a password or changing the link every week and things like that, you're, you're quickly turning, you know, what was a pretty simple replicable thing into a huge pain in the ass <laughs> that then you may not even have your own members able to show up because if they have to learn or remember a new password for the thing every single week or, or something like that, you'll lose a bunch of your participants uh, that way. It, again, is there a right way or a wrong way to do it? I don't know. What you need to do is really think about what you want to offer, how to keep your kids safe and deliver a really good product and then constantly work to make it better. So that's it. Uh, and on a positive note, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we kind of went <laughs> down a sad Well, it, I mean, there. we wanted to say what it's happened, what really yes. happened, yeah. But uh, I think the best, some of the best things that have come out of this is just that I love that it's teaching kids um, that fitness is everywhere. It's life, movement, that it's not just, I think a lot of adults, you know, we have this... Uh, small view of like, all right, I'm going to the gym for one hour and working out, but then I sit at my desk or I sit in a car or whatever. Yeah. I'm pretty, I don't move a whole lot the rest of the day, just this one hour in the gym. The gym is where you get your workout, but right. 
with this virtual, kids can see that like they can use their toys and furniture and the house or just their body in their living room and that movement's everywhere. And I love that. Agreed. Agreed. No, I, I, I mean, it's a root problem cause of the chronic disease issue in our culture is that fitness is by largely considered by adults to be a chore, like something unfortunate that you have to make part of your day. And it's not versus what it actually is, is the complete inverse. Like movement is life. And a lot of these other uh, sedentary behaviors are, you know, antithetical to being a human being. And so being able to get in to the lives of children early and instill the fact that, you know, being active, moving and, you know, getting things done productively in your life whilst not sitting on your butt is a great way to be a human being is, is an awesome lesson to learn. I think it would be excellent to have children who are growing up thinking it's weird to sit for long periods of time, thinking it's odd to spend a bunch of time during the day sitting and staring at a screen when the natural thing that they've been grown up and, and taught to do is to move around and explore their world. So yeah, I think it's a lot of positive influence that you can have on on other people's lives. And uh, from an early age, <laughs> that's the other part too, is man, in terms of you deal with a lot of behavior change right now, Chanel, dealing with uh, a lot of clients who are trying to make an adjustment in their life. And I think teaching children can be a positive thing for you as a coach in terms of preventing burnout in that any coach out there listening who has done a lot of behavior change stuff realizes how kind of jaded and exhausted you can get very quickly from talking with people who have essentially spent the last 10, 20, 30 years ruining their health and, and life. And now you're trying to unmess that up with them as a long, painful process of breaking addiction and bad behavior. And it's enlightening and heartening to work with children who have not made those mistakes yet. They are still pure in the fact that they can do a full depth squat with their heels on the ground. They are not, you know, grossly overweight or have all these metabolic diseases and issues from living a, a, a sedentary life. And there's this glimmer of hope that you can hopefully set them up to never have to deal with that stuff. And so it is nice to have that balance in your life. So it's not, it doesn't look so hopeless, right? So yeah, I would encourage everyone to do it. Even if, even if you don't anticipate coaching children anytime soon, take the CrossFit kids course, you will learn how to be a better adult coach hands down for sure. Taking the CrossFit kids course, even if, yeah, if you have no desire to teach children, it's still a great course to take. And then I think it's invaluable for people for starting a kids course, CrossFit or otherwise. Uh, it just, again, they're, they're coaching in their instruction and they're, the way they break things down into simple, effective tools for you to use is unparalleled to any other uh, company or, um, you know, educational system that I've seen, you know. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I don't want to ramble on too much longer. You got anything else to add, Chanel? No, I think that's, that's good. Sweet. That's good. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Again, our circumstance is our circumstance. All we can do is tell you what we've learned and what we have decided to do and, and have evolved with over time. So uh, our strengths might not be yours. Our situation might not exactly match yours, but we're hoping there's some lessons learned 
in there that can help you on your journey to improve the lives of others. Thank you for listening to the United by Strength podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the information that we were able to put out today. Please take from it what you want and leave what you don't. If you have feedback for us, please send it to United by Strength Podcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review if you have the time. It really helps people find the podcast and allows us to grow our base of listeners.